Welcome into What's Good with KB and JB Podcast Show, covering the NFL, college football, and the top stories in the sports world with producer Patton Cook, NFL All-Pro and former Tennessee Titan linebacker Keith Bullock, veteran sports anchor John Burton. Super Bowl 58 is now set. We got the 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs who do it again, but this time on the road. And guys, when I think about the AFC Championship game last week, the first thing that comes to mind, obviously, you know, the Chiefs defense was great and Mahomes made plays when he had to make plays and Travis Kelsey has seemed to uh, been re-energized the last half of the season. But, you know, I was talking about how I want how much I wanted this for Lamar. Man, it just feels like he was trying to prove a point more than actually win the game. You, you, you know what you know what I'm saying? In what terms point of, do you feel like he was trying to prove? I can, I can stay in the pocket and I can deliver the football. But, you know, this is – and he's done a great job of that all year, we know. But, Keith, I just feel like this is this is for the right to go to the Super Bowl. you got to do whatever it takes. And you if you have to go back to old Lamar running around making plays, then do it. Yeah, man, I look, I don't know who got in his head. I don't know what, what he was thinking out there. But he was. I felt like he was trying to give his best impersonation of Doug Williams. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes. Look, bro, what is going on? Nobody's downfield. Use your legs. Mm-hmm. Do what got you there, like, since you've been playing the game. And, um, yeah, I don't even I don't even recall the week before the game of that being the talk. Oh, he he has to be a pocket passer or you know like Well, that's why they brought in Todd Munkin, you know, to to kind of Well, Todd Munkin cuz they don't want him to run as much, which I get, but my thing is like this this AFC Championship game, you do by any means necessary as Malcolm X once said. Right. All right, cool. You you brought up Todd Munkin. Let's just say that look, the whole game plan was pretty pretty bad. Todd Munkin terrible. did not run the ball uh, Kansas City gave up 182 or maybe 83 rushing yards the week before against the Bills. And you mean to tell me you only called 16 runs, 10 from your running backs or mm-hmm. something like that? I think mm-hmm. that was the split. Um, that being said, man, uh, wow. And back to Lamar, I just feel that you got to play your game. You got to play your game. You got to go out there and be a killer and show everybody why you're a killer. And um, you had the ultimate opportunity to uh, surplant, um, you know, Patrick Mahomes, who mm-hmm. is, you know, as uh, Stuart Scott used to say, cool as the other side of the pillow. I don't care. He's the definition of that. You know what I mean? And uh, just gets it done. And Lamar definitely was pressing. You don't, you know, he knew the defensive coverage. You know, you, you hold the ball. You don't throw into triple coverage. Yeah, that interception um, and goal cover, line was and cover too. You know what I mean? You're pressing. Everybody knows that. So you got to live with that all offseason. And um, look, the only time I made it to an AFC championship game, our quarterback played lights out. That was the best game I ever seen Steve McNair play. It was out in Oakland, right? He used his arm, his legs. Like, I was disappointed that, as a defense, we weren't up to par. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was my first year as a starter. You know, I was I was a baller, but I just wasn't like, my, my football IQ wasn't as high. Because all the Raiders were doing was running crossers. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they were just was running that Richie, cro- Richie Gannon, a quarterback? Yeah, they were just running yeah. crossers before. Because they had all older wide receivers. Right, Tim Brown Jer- Tim and Brown, Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice. Yep. Joe, uh, they had uh, Jerry Porter, mm-hmm. who was out of um, West Virginia, uh, one of my classmates, and then um, James Jett. And those two guys took the top off, and they had these dudes running crossers. Yeah. And then they had Charlie Gardner, who was a scat back. And um, look, well, we played them opening night on, on Sunday Night Football the next year after they went to the Super Bowl. You know, we beat him because we figured it out then. But, <laughs> you know, Lamar, Lamar will get his chance. Again, he'll be back, but you got to learn from it. And that's my point. It's unfortunate. Yeah. But, you know. what You know, Patton, they're already, they're already starting the comparisons between Mahomes and Tom Brady. If he yep. wins this Super Bowl, they're going to start the GOAT conversation. 
And he's actually technically a little bit further along at age 28 than Tom Brady was at age 28. What do you think? It's a little early for that kind of talk, or what do you make of that? I think it's hard to argue against it, to to be quite honest. Uh, Really, from his first snap as a starter in the NFL, I believe it was a Monday or Thursday. It was a primetime game uh, for Patrick Mahomes. And we're all looking at ourselves saying, uh, uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this guy's about to run from what it looked like just game one. Of course, kind of yeah, rookie. Alex and, Smith was a good quarterback. He was exactly. very good, yeah. But uh, he looked the part from the very beginning. And I think the best maybe compliment I can provide for Patrick Mahomes was that win against the Ravens was Tom Brady and Patriot-esque because really didn't play that great right. offensively, but – what he knew he didn't need to and couldn't do was give the Ravens any sort of life via turnover. He never put the ball in harm's way really ever in that game, and he knew all he had to do was get a couple first downs, get across the 50, have their punter pin Lamar Jackson and the Ravens deep, and they knew that they wouldn't be able to go 15 plays down the field to mm-hmm. uh, get touchdowns. So I, I what I saw on on Sunday was what I feel like I've seen my entire childhood with uh, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady not really play that great, but here they are playing yet another Super Bowl. I think it's fair, and to be quite honest, uh, if the Super Bowl does come for Mahomes this time uh, next week. I, I don't want to say he's the goat already, but uh, Brady has got a hard time. He'll be well on his way. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, it's pretty. Uh, sorry, JB. I oh, just good. wanted to jump in real quick. Yeah. Be, um, <clears throat> pretty interesting to see how much of a and how fast that would be a rub. Tom Brady just retired. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, he's, uh, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. That's pretty. Because um, in basketball, you, you don't really see it like the transition as smoothly with LeBron. We'll, we'll see, you know. Um, but to stick on stick on that, um, I just say let it play out. Yeah. Because what happens if Andy Reid decides to retire yep. and the groove don't ever get going again? Kelsey and, might retire. Yeah, and that's he might, fine. Him and Taylor may you know walk off in the sunset together. After but what? The game. Travel, but what? Um, what? Uh, Patrick Mahomes is very good at is working with what he has. Yep. So, look, the draft is coming up. Anybody that can catch, look, they wish they had DeAndre Hopkins this year, I'm sure. Yep. So, any vet or anybody that is still out there that could ball, they, they be, this year I don't think they'll make the same mistake. They'll load up their um, their roster and go away from these younger guys, unreliable, more unreliable guys. And because, like you were saying, Patrick Mahomes is going to get it done with what he has. And, yeah, you can – Get some uh, more dynamic guys through the draft. Get some older guys in your in your stable to kind of coach those guys up. And look, he's gonna get it done. So um, I I like him um, being goat esque. <laughs> goat esque. Okay, you just, um, you just invented a new word. So there you go. He's goat esque. <laughs> hey, but also, man, mm-hmm. let's switch to the other side with Brock Purdy because he's only in year two. Yep. He's a little baller, and everybody's on his case because, as you were saying, JB, not to steal your thunder. No, all um, good, man. Have you know, uh, my thing with that is he's only in year two, and everybody's giving him such a hard time. Yeah, because of where he's drafted. He was Mr. Irrelevant, and normally, you know, quarterbacks aren't, that are not drafted in the first round, they don't believe can lead teams to Super Bowls, and they also feel like he's a quote-unquote system quarterback under Kyle Shanahan with a lot of weapons. But if you're a quarterback, don't you want to be in a good system with a lot of weapons? I would say um, I would say Tom Brady was a system quarterback early in his career sure. with a lot of weapons, very strong defense. Um, it wasn't until about, what, maybe 2010, 9-10, where, uh, you know, it was all on him. Maybe you know, when they got ran- when they got Randy, Randy Moss, 07 yeah, that go. year. Yeah. yeah, Randy Moss. Once they got Randy Moss. set the Moss, record for touchdown passes. They started, passes like, and, yeah. un, you know, competing with Peyton Manning and them mm-hmm. with the points and all that. But before yeah. then, it was small ball, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they weren't airing teams out. They'll play you close, beat you with defense. Tom will make all the right plays. Um, uh, McDaniels will call the right plays for Tom, you know. And then it wasn't until... Like you just said, I'm sorry, um, Randy Moss and yeah, oh seven, busy. And yeah, they went, went sixteen and zero that year. Yep. And uh, guys, when I when I think about the uh, speaking of goats, the other uh, phrase for goats 
you know, for both of these uh, championship games. Got to be Zay Flowers in the AFC championship game. Stupid taunting penalty that cost, uh, you know, would have had the ball inside the 10 and then, of course, fumbled at the goal line. You know, rookies are going to be rookies sometimes. And then Dan Campbell in the NFC championship game. You know, I just felt like, you know, you have a chance to go up by 17 pretty late into the third quarter. You know, I'm kicking the field goal there. He went for it. Good play. You know, the receiver dropped the ball, but that seemed to really light a fire under the 49ers and allow them to get back in the game. Yeah, I think the key play in that game was uh, the fumble recovery right about at midfield. That Mm -hmm. really swayed the momentum um, in the 49ers' way because, um, man, tell you what, in every playoff game that I played in, we had at least one turnover um, inside, two of them inside the red zone one time. Oh, one, like I think all of them pretty much inside the red zone. I remember in San Diego, Chris, not, you know, we fumbled going into the end zone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just we all, and we all lost all those games by like three, you yep. know, something yep. like that. Um, so that's how I know uh, how critical, you know, holding on to the ball is. So yeah, that, Definitely swayed the momentum. The 49ers, you know, they were coming back and they 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 felt it, but that really, you know, their defense gave that energy to the offense and they were at home and yeah, they got it going. <laughs> yeah, they did. Well, you mentioned the uh your AFC championship game appearance against the Oakland Raiders yeah. in two thousand two. Lost that game. Raiders went on to play in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh lost to the Buccaneers, but the guy who coached that game for the Oakland Raiders. The head coach was Bill Callahan, who is now going to be the Tennessee Titans offensive line coach, joining the staff of his son, new head coach, Brian Callahan. And I got to say, shout out to the Cleveland Browns for allowing that to happen because it's a lateral move, it it would appear. And the Browns said, you know, we're not going to deny the Callahan family for having this unique opportunity. That's a plus. And also, as bad as this offensive line has been for the Tennessee Titans, you're getting arguably the best offensive line coach maybe of all time. So you talk about a win-win for Brian Callahan and the Tennessee Titans getting Bill Callahan on this staff. That's huge. Yeah, I mean, look, um, Brian Callahan, welcome to to Nashville. And look, that was another game. We were up, Pat, I don't know, you were probably a young tyke. We were up 17-0, I mean Mm 17-10, getting the ball, and then we fumbled two times back-to-back. Yeah. they, in they in that championship up, game, yeah, okay. They went up, um, they went up twenty seventeen at halftime because we fumbled coming out on a kickoff return, and we fumbled um, right there on the twenty. Um, and they, you know, we held them to ten, but yeah, they just had the momentum. But like I said, Steve there, he played his butt off. He kept us in the game till late in the game. But yeah, look, man, I feel back to the new coach. I feel that. Um, it's great for this family to have the opportunity. And for, you know, Brian Callahan, I don't know who his uh, assistant head coach is, but mm. it would be, I wouldn't be surprised if it is his dad. You know what I mean? And he might not even, he could be able to kill two birds with one stone. Actually yep. hire an assistant um, head coach and have his dad there because it's not like his dad ain't going to help him. So, right. Um, I mean, what a resource that's going to be, you know, to have your dad who was a former head coach who led a team to the Super Bowl. You talk about a sounding board and a guy to lean on for Brian Callahan. Your dad's right there. Yeah, and really, I, I think it was a move that needed to happen because kind of as we're looking at the staff that Brian's building out, it's pretty young and it's pretty yep. inexperienced. So to have a guy who's he's seen everything, he's won almost everything uh, for the majority. He's played college, uh, coached college football, of course, as well with Nebraska. So mm-hmm. it's a great hire. And as soon as the hire was made for Brian, that was kind of the immediate draw. Well, of course, he's going to get his pops to come over and be the <laughs> line coach. And but yeah, very cool. Excited for that. And Titans, Titans fans um, should be very excited as well because, I mean, the offensive line to me is where – it, it, to me, where the team goes is exactly where the offensive line is. Sure, you so, got a young quarterback, you got to protect him, you got to give him a running game. Right. Yeah. So, it, and I, I don't want to blame coaching necessarily for the past couple of years, but I think everything was on the table in terms of offensive line play. The talent wasn't good enough, and clearly, it just didn't look like the guys knew who to block on a lot of plays the past couple of years. And of course, that's a bigger issue in itself. But uh, yeah, very cool story, and 
good hire for uh, for the son hiring dad. Yeah, I was never really fond of the O line coach of the Titans. Um, after I saw an interview, I think Kaharski or someone aired, um, interviewed him and he asked him a couple questions and his his answers weren't really solid from what I would expect mm-hmm. from an O line um, that was struggling. Um, and a little bit about Bill Callahan, he took over the Raiders um, when. You know, Harbaugh, I mean, I'm sorry, Gruden. John went, Gruden, yeah. Yeah, he had just gone to Tampa Bay. And, um, you know, the Raiders were a good team the year before mm-hmm. and just came up a little bit short. Um, but for Bill Callahan to be able to go over there, take over a whole new crew, um, I'm sure he had to hire some new coaches mm-hmm. and learn some new people and just kind of keep that thing rolling and get them to the Super Bowl the next year shows uh, some good experience that he'll be able to lend to the staff in this upcoming season. So, um, you know, I look forward to see how this uh, coaching staff gels and how the uh, players take to him because at the end of the day, you know, these are young men, some, you know, some grown men. So you got to be able to be leader of men and convince this these uh this group of men that you can lead them to the promised land yeah defensive coordinator uh hired this week denard wilson was the ravens defensive backs coach last year wide receivers coach tyke tolbert he was in chicago last year we spoke about bill callahan and uh looks like the offensive coordinator is going to be nick holtz who was with the jaguars last year so brian callahan filling out his staff and uh you know, it's going to be a new era, and as Patton said, a lot of these guys are young, so it's good to have a veteran coach like uh, Bill Callahan to help Brian Callahan, his son. All right, up next, guys, we're going to talk about the NFL coaching carousel. It has finally stopped, and a couple of guys we wouldn't expect. The music stopped, and they didn't find the chair. We're going to talk about that and plenty more. <laughs> Stick around on the podcast show. Hey, it's John Burton from News Channel 5 and the Greg Pogan John Burton Show. And I'm former All-Pro linebacker for the Tennessee Titans, also known as Mr. Monday Night, Keith Bullock. And I'm Patton Cook. We're inviting you to join us every Saturday morning from 10 to 11 for What's Good with KB and JB, the podcast show. All live on Nashville Sports Radio 95.9 and all streaming platforms. We talk Titans, we talk SEC football, we talk NBA, we talk everything, and we also get a little petty from time to time. Make sure you join us. You're listening to What's Good with KB and JB Podcast Show, live on WNSR, Nashville's first 24-hour sports station. Guys, all the NFL head coaching openings have been filled. Mike McDonald goes to the Seattle Seahawks. And Dan Quinn, in a bit of a surprise move, the Cowboys DC'd. His unit got torched against the Packers in the wildcard game a couple weeks ago. He is the new head coach in Washington. And Mike Vrabel and Bill Belichick will not be serving as head coaches in the National Football League in 2024. How surprised are you at that? I'm not surprised. Bill Belichick has just been coaching for like 40 years. Like, yeah. um, I'm sure he, he came with a very specific package he was going to need. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm sure he's got a lifestyle, you know, that he kind of has kind of um, become accustomed to and – He's going to expect a certain amount of control, yeah, I would imagine. you know, so, like, I understand that. And then Vrabel, um, you know, I feel the same thing. You mm-hmm. know, I felt as if, like, he, for whatever reason, and that he had leverage, I felt as if he felt he had leverage. And many people also felt the same way, that, like, Vrabel, you know, was going to be, you know, one of the most sought-after coaches and even though his name wasn't out there right away, you would have thought that since a lot of jobs weren't taken, he would have had more interviews. But then at the same time, it could be on Mike Vrabel. You know, he might become a defensive football analyst or something like that. You right. know, I feel like he has a lot of opportunities in that way. And we've seen coaches go on to television and jump back into football. You know, um, you know, I think that uh, 
at some point, I definitely would love to coach and want to coach in the NFL if I get that opportunity. And I can, when the time comes, I'll be prepared right. to, you know, plead my case because I stay in touch with the game enough that, mm-hmm. like, it's for me, it's nothing but you still have to prove and somebody would have to want you on their staff. So I think by when coaches go and work on television and they talk the, um, <clears throat> the analytical things and sure. they get to sit back and see and kind of scope out their competition. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Because um, I know that that's kind of how I watch the game and I keep coordinators in mind, especially like the young ones. And, you know, right. with, like I have a notebook or stuff. So, uh, <laughs> not nah, seriously. So, um, that's awesome. you just like never know. Patton, you brought up a good point. I think it was you uh, this week on our on our regular show on WNSR. You know, maybe Belichick and Vrabel. Well, first of all, the guy that threw a monkey wrench in this whole thing was Ben Johnson, the OC of the Lions, yep. who announced, I'm staying in Detroit. I want to give this another go. I think Washington thought for sure that they had him lined up. So, you know, I think they kind of had to settle for Quinn. But when you look at I respect at, that, man. Yeah. I wish more coaches would do that. But, but yeah. You know, I, absolutely. Go ahead, David. No, 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 no. Finish your point. I mean, no, I was just saying, like, uh, it, like it, it seems like every we're talking about coaching carousel. So it seems like every year there's like five or six new coaching spots. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And somebody de coordinated for two years. Like, like Salah still has a chance to do well. But look, man, like he has had quarterback. He drafted that quarterback, didn't he? Like, so a lot, of, a lot of these players are on his, you know, and I'm mm-hmm. not trying to, that just came to my mind, you know what yeah. I mean? But, um, yeah, he was a hot defensive coordinator. You get a um, head coaching job, you jump up to it. Now you're going to go back to a position. Like, you know what I'm saying? I feel like you work your way out of the league faster as a young coach yep. when you jump for these opportunities instead of doubling down. You, you know, know why? Because there's no lead time. There, You know, you, you don't have time to... You know, back in our day, it used to be coaches got a five-year plan. Right. There's no more five-year plan. If, if you're not winning after two years, you're gone. Right. But <laughs> if I'm like uh, like Ben Johnson, if I'm confident in my in my stuff and my guys and I'm coming back pretty much with the same stable, regardless what the head coach does, my style should pretty much stay the same. Because even when I was on losing teams, mm-hmm. you know— I, Still making all the tackles. Like, you know what I'm saying? Still and, going to the Pro Bowl. Yeah, still going winning, to like, I was doing my, my play didn't change. Right. So I feel like if you have everything you need now, if people get hurt and things of that nature, right. the way you show your um, craftiness, like I think um, Brian Callahan did, was when the backup quarterback's in there, it don't matter who he had. Actually, the team got better. So that's how you know Joe Burrow was hurt. Because when um, Browning got in there for, um, you know, the Bengals, look, their offense got better. Yep. So they, they No, all good. They still almost made the playoffs. But, you know, you brought up a good point. I think it was you, Patton. You know, these guys, talking about Vrabel and, and Belichick, they may be biding their time because this time next year, you could have some some big-time openings there. Eagles. Dallas. Dallas, Philly. <laughs> You know, maybe maybe the New York Giants. We don't know. Belichick's so, going to go to Dallas. Well, Jerry Jones is on record saying I could work with him. <laughs> on one side of his mouth, he said, <laughs> I believe in Mike McCarthy. We're bringing him back. And the other side of his mouth, he's, he says, I could work with Bill Belichick. So Mike McCarthy is They're officially on notice. Now, what I heard about Ben Johnson, though, guys, there were reports. Justina Anderson said that his asking price was too high. Like he wanted $15 million. A year? Yeah. As a uh, you know, never uh, as a guy who's never coached before, I don't know how true that is. I'm sure Ben Johnson would deny that if he were asked about it, but that's what I heard. I heard his asking price scared a lot of teams off. Like he was very coveted, so you know he can obviously use the cover of "Hey, man, I want to come back to Detroit. We got so close this year. I want to, I want to push us over the edge, and that's great. And they may have an opportunity to, but that's that's what I heard about Ben Johnson. Hey, Patton, what do you think the best hire was? Best hire? That is a great question. It's hard to say, but I, I really, I to be honest, I like what the Titans did. I, I was on record, Homer, with, Homer. I, I know, <laughs> but I, I like to preface it by just saying I, I was pretty hard on Rain Carthon and Amy Adams Strunk because I was in the boat of why are you not trying to find a trade partner for Mike Vrabel mm-hmm. and. 
Well, look where he is right now. Uh, no team wanted him for free, much less having to give anything up for uh, Mike Vrabel. So I, I like what they did where they were firm in what they wanted. Mm-hmm. They knew what they wanted, and they acted quickly on it. Because I think, unlike what the, the commanders did, where they kind of hemmed and hawed and say, well, we're going to get Ben Johnson. We're going to wait a little bit. Yeah. I, I think Dan Quinn was about as much of a panic hire as you're going to see in the NFL. Yep. Now, he's a great defensive mind, but I, I've... The I've Green talk- Bay Packers don't think that. Right, well, way. exactly. I was going to say, Jordan Love would like a word with you. Right. <laughs> and, and I talked to a couple of Commanders fans, and it, it's pretty underwhelming. Yeah, and, my brother-in-law is a Commanders fan. I'll be interested to get his take on yeah, that. Yeah, they're, they're not too happy about it. So... Uh, But other than that, I I think the Raiders did what I didn't think they were going to do, and I thought they did the right thing, and they kept Antonio Pierce. I I thought for sure they were going to screw that one up and bring in Bill Belichick or something Mm -hmm. like that. But to the Belichick point, I was more surprised in Vrabel than Belichick just because, to be honest, guys, I think Belichick, the game has passed him by a little bit. I, I thought he was so archaic the past, really ever since Brady left, and even then when Brady was there, I just looked at that roster where yeah. he's got total control of it, right? And it was a mess. I just think it's more of a case of the fact that he's always been a lousy GM. Yeah, but you know, I think he can still coach to that end. Can't, but yeah, he can't coach. But I think also how he handles his players doesn't yeah. work like that anymore. No, and, no. Uh, Keith, you would have been able to take a guy like Bill Belichick, but I mean, you've got guys coming in to the NFL. Or a lot of them are taking a pay cut heading into the NFL with them what they're making in college. So I'm, I'm gonna let this old this old head over here tell me what's old like, guy I, wearing a hoodie and tell yeah, him exactly. I, tell, so you know. yeah, I mean, look, I look, I played uh, like a Sarah, Paul Pasqualoni's old school mm-hmm. coach. You know what I mean? I had that one year playing with um, Tom Coughlin, but you know, I was in year eleven. But I right. can see how. And and TC at that time he was way chill. I can see how a young twenty two Fred Taylor is like, man, this guy's bugging. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Um, no teeth and all. Uh, Shout out Freddie T. By right? the way. Uh, that being said, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it'll take a certain type. Like a Micah Parsons is a player, a CD Lamb, like a more seasoned team could mm-hmm. be coached by Bill Pelichick because they're at the point mid careers. Um, not, you know, some uh, some towards the end, Dak Pre- you know, they want to win. You know, yeah. they're right there. They're right there. They've been with people that haven't got them um, to the promised land, and they want to be the team to bring it back to Dallas. Every team that plays for the Cowboys mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. wants to be that team, to be able to wear that stamp that Michael Irvin, right. you know, um, Certain, certain teams and, you win a championship for, you're a made man. The Yankees, Dallas Cowboys. Big Blue. Right. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, I, I actually think the best hire, uh, the uh, coaching hire of the offseason was uh, Harbaugh to the Chargers. You know, we just saw him up on the screen here. And look, he's a weirdo. He's kind of a slime ball, but he can, he can coach. And he's won everywhere he's went. And he's got talent on that roster. I know they got some salary cap issues that they need to iron through. But he's got his franchise quarterback. He's got a good running back in Eckler. He's got a couple of really good wide receivers offensively. He is an offensive coach, although he carries himself like a defensive coach because he's, you know, just kind of a, you know, goofy nerd. But, um, you know, the hey, dude what can you coach. saying about defensive coaches? No, no, no. I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think he's got a lot to work with there in, in Los Angeles. I keep wanting to say San Diego. With the Chargers, I I think that's probably the higher of the off season. We'll see how it works out. Um, because he's one of those guys, Keith, that you know, kind of like in hockey, like a Peter Laviolette or or some of these some of these other guys. You know, they're good for a few years. After a while, they start you know grating on you and every, getting on everybody's nerves, and you're like, we got to get this guy out of here. Well, so I think they got a window open now with him. Yeah, of course, man. Look, I like Harbaugh, man. You know, I and it's not one of those things. I don't know him personally, but to everything that you said, he's one of those coaches. He was a former player. Yep. Um, I remember the captain comeback. I was at Syracuse. Mm-hmm. I was a freshman. Like I literally remember that. You know With what I mean? Colts, yeah. And he was like reminding me of a Gardner Minshew. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, uh, he's supposed to have a swagger. He's supposed to have some confidence to him. He has had success. Uh, he had success with the 49ers. He went to Michigan and did what he had to do, however he had to do it. <laughs> now, now, now he's in L.A. I wouldn't have seen him anywhere the end else. justified the means at Michigan. Look, if I, if, I, if I were him, I, w- I wouldn't see him anywhere else. I'm probably going to draft my running back, too. You know mm-hmm, what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm going to have a lot of guys 
um, some guys from Michigan. Oh, like so Blake Corum? Yeah, yeah. Like to uh, start to develop a culture. Because one thing he is, is like you say, he looks goofy guy, but he's a tough hard <laughs> go. He's a, we're saying that because we're watching him yeah. on TV right yeah. now. Yeah. But like he's a, you know, he comes off as pretty tough, man. Like even his brother, like they always have these mm-hmm. tough defenses. Look. Yeah, two of the baddest uh, linebackers um, in that in our in my era to play side by side, and Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman. Yeah, man. So you know what I mean, along with Eric, Tell, a bunch of guys that were just dogs on that team, and mm-hmm. you know he knows how to pick them. And however that works for the Los Angeles Chargers, I think that uh, they got their guy. Um, I'm gonna throw a curveball. Yeah. I'm going to go with Raheem Morris to the Atlanta Falcons. Ooh, okay. And I say that because, um, you know, I know Raheem personally, but obviously— Seems like a great guy. Yeah, for sure. A New York guy. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Hofstra University. Um, He was a coach, obviously, in Tampa. Um, Got that experience there. And then went a couple of places. Then he was with the Rams. You know, he was with Sean McVay. So uh, he's a defensive coach. So that's always good. You can start building championships. Yeah, I didn't mean with... to disrespect defensive coaches. No, no, no. By the way. <laughs> I feel like the best, the best way you can start building championship teams um, is with defense. Because, you, you know, defense, get a quarterback that's not going to make a lot of mistakes. Right. You know what I'm saying? And, um, look, you play small ball. So that being said, he didn't necessarily have a great run in Tampa, but he got a lot of uh, learning experience in under an offensive-minded coach. So I think what you're going to see is a lot of these coaches bringing in, and I think this is the best way. Um, I do it like with business and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Look, if something I'm interested in, I might not know everything about it, but I'm going to get the resources around me right. to make sure I make the right decisions to go forward with it. So right. look, as a football coach, I would do the same thing. As a head coach, if I had to coach high school football right now, I would find a bunch of guys that I know that know, yo, you want to coach Mike Roos? You want to just coach some high school football? Now nah, I'm busy. Well, you know, I'll just go to, hey, Ben Jones. <laughs> but like, no, you tap all your resources right, and you see right. who wants to do what. And if that's not it, like you'll, you'll figure it out. So I think that, uh, you know, I just figured I'd just throw that curveball out there because no, now he's I, going to Atlanta mm-hmm. where they do have some talent. Yes. And um need to find a quarterback, but they right. do but offensively they got talent. He's got a good draft pick. What uh, I don't know what number they're picking, but they're definitely top ten. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. sure they pick before the Titans. Uh, uh, I think I think right around there. Right, like I think the, a little after because they little, were they were fighting for the uh, NFC South. Oh yeah, that's true. Oh, that's sure true. They were duking yeah, but, it yeah. out. But they got an opportunity. They're fighting it at seven and ten. Yeah, exactly. Because Titans are what seven, seven. And my Giants are six. So you know they oh. might be duking. What that are they out. gonna do with Saquon, man? Uh, Saquon should come here. All, split, all split time with uh with Ty J Spears. Yeah, that'd be something. Ty, but see, like Saquon, like Derrick Henry, they're at that. And this is what I went through too, man. Mm-hmm. Like I like when I went to the Giants, I was coming off um, ACL, but like playing that role position. Especially when you know, like, I should have been playing nickel, you know, but mm-hmm. they had me playing, um, you know, downs, like when the fullback went in the game. When did they use the fullback? I think, <laughs> I think the fullback died when my career died. You know what I'm saying? Um, it breaks my heart because I played fullback in high school. Right? I'd be like, get out of me, here. me and Lorenzo Neal are like best friends because of it. We just talk about, you know, the good old days of playing fullback. But yeah, I just think um, it was like the year after the Giants, I was like, look, I felt healthier, and I was like, I just gonna make somebody's nickel, and then like I didn't get the opportunities I want. So, but I these guys are healthy yeah. going into the off season. Yeah, you know, Derek Henry's about to start his gladiator workouts. Yeah, Saquon. Yeah, that broke the internet. <laughs> Saquon, I'm sure it does something similar. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting. I, from what I've heard is, I think uh, Saquon expects to get tagged again. And he basically said after the season, he's like, whatever they do, just get it out of the way. You're going to tag me, tag me. You're going to sign me, sign me. Or you're going to let me. If I were the Giants, and I love Saquon, I would let him test free agency. Go ahead, see what's out there. You know, because he's 27 years old now, which is old-ish for a running back. And he's had a lot of injuries. So he may not get the money that he's looking for in the open market. He may come back to the Giants and say, uh, you know, I'm I'm home. I'm ready to go. So, anyway, guys, we'll uh, we'll come back after a brief break, and we'll talk some petty news 
And uh, we'll talk about maybe the Pro Bowl games a little bit. Better than maybe playing an actual game? Stay with us. Welcome back to What's Good with KB and JB Podcast Show. Exclusively on WNSR, Nashville's first 24-hour sports station. Well, it's about this time every podcast where we like to let our producer say what's on his mind, get whatever he needs to get off his chest, rant, rave, praise, cajole, whatever he has to do. It's time to let Patton cook. That it is. It's that time of the week again, and I am going back to a nice familiar place, uh, the Vanderbilt men's basketball program. Yep. Um, still over in the conference, 0-7, uh, had a great shot to beat Tennessee the other night, just couldn't put it away against a, a very good basketball team. And uh, I, I've got a couple fronts, a couple topics that I'm going to break down. First off, uh, the orange out that they had against Tennessee the other <laughs> night. It was not planned, of course, Here, by Vanderbilt Athletics. Okay. Um, you, you had, it was probably 70-30 Tennessee in that yeah. gym. And forever... I mean, I've been seeing clips of 2011, 2012 of uh, a wideout game against uh, the Vols. All Vanderbilt fans was rocking. They knocked off the number one team in the country. That's never happening again. But I, I, I want to call out first Candace Story Lee. Um, someone Athletic who, director. Exactly. Someone I think does a, a pretty good job, quite frankly, for the most part. But my one gripe with her is it takes the absolute extreme for her to ever make a move it, it with this with the women's basketball program where they forfeited the season they said for covid and maybe it was for covid but if you read in between the lines they had won a game all year long and you had players just basically leaving campus so they quit uh, on their head coach so they had to fire that um stephanie white i believe is her name yeah steph white yep and then with Derek mason great man had a really good run with vanderbilt but it got to a point where it was about as toxic as it could get in that locker room, and players were going in between each other. They were fighting. You had the coaches. whole female kicker thing, exactly, wow. and and that that all brought out. And then finally, uh, it's now gotten to the point for Jerry Stackhouse to where in year five now for Jerry and had really good end of the seasons the past three years, but the start has killed this program where really it's been impossible to make the NCAA tournament. And once again, that is going to happen. And you're hearing reports. Uh, George Plaster, who's been on Nashville radio forever, um, was listening to his show yesterday. And he's talking about how uh, Jerry Stackhouse is bringing, bringing his golf clubs um, no. on road trips. <laughs> nah. <laughs> it has uh, been confirmed almost at this point. Wow. So that's a big, it, that's not a good that's look. That's a big, like, middle finger. <laughs> yeah. and, and it really is. And, it, and I understand for Candace, probably not going to fire Jerry midseason. I but, would. But I, I would playing well. in my face, dog. <laughs> I, I, I would as well, Keith. But for her... There are things you can do without firing them, but li- giving a message to the fans by saying this isn't good enough. Yeah. This this program, which was once great under Kevin Stallings, is so far down uh, the rabbit hole that you just wonder if it's ever going to come back. But there has been radio silence uh, from McGugan, uh, the athletic center over there, and you just wonder what's happening. And I. It's unfortunate a kid who's grown up going to Memorial Gym for mm-hmm. a lot of years, a lot of wins, a lot of wins against Tennessee. But where this program is, it's the second worst Power Five program right now in uh, in America, and it doesn't look to get any better. And there's really no vote of confidence from the athletic director. I don't want her fired necessarily, but I, I you just she's got to be better in in terms of pulling the trigger. If something's not working after year three and four. Pull the trigger. You don't need to wait until the sky is falling, quite literally. And I think that's what she's done, in my opinion. Um, so for me, my let Patton cook is to the Vanderbilt men's basketball program, which was once great, which is now awful. Mm. Mm. That's a good one. I'm telling you, he was cooking today, wasn't Woo. he? Sizzle. Mm. So a lot of candidates for petty news this week. Uh, you got LeBron James, Keith, uh, hosting <laughs> the hourglass emoji after another uh, Lakers lost. They are below 500 and appear to be circling the drain, although they beat the Boston Celtics this week without 
AD and without LeBron in Boston, where the Celtics almost never lose. Um, I had that, and obviously all the stuff coming out of New York with the Jets and Robert Sala, that uh, report from The Athletic. Yeah, tell you me know, about that. I'm yeah, not up on that yeah, one. Yeah, so, and Pat, feel free to jump in. You know, the Robert, Robert Sala's got guys on his own coaching staff leaking stuff out to the media. Oh, Talking man. about one coach said it's a mess here. And they said Salah's paranoid and, you know, Aaron Rodgers is running this organization, not, you know, uh, uh, Douglas, the GM or whatever. Wow. Like it it, to the point where supposedly this, this came out this week, Keith, that like (laughs) Salah got all his coaches together and wanted to grab their phones. Like, you know, like a teacher in a classroom because he wanted to find out where the leaks were coming from to the point where he was like, you're not going to get in trouble. I just want to know who's leaking this information to the press. And, you know, Vrabel and Belichick are still out there. I mean, it's not too late to fire Rob Sala, but it won't get done because Aaron Rodgers wants him in place. And Aaron Rodgers appears to be running the New York Jets right now. But it's it's an absolute dysfunctional mess, uh, mess for the New York Jets. You're a New Yorker. I, I'm a New Yorker. It's been that way for this franchise since I've been alive, since Joe Namath left. You know what I mean? I mean, that's, Let me ask I mean, question, that's some man. serious stuff, man. I mean, that's, look, that's petty. I said, oh, no, because, look, bro, <laughs> somebody's caught up. And what I mean by that, listeners and people unfamiliar with, like, New York City mm-hmm. and how the media like works the, and all the that. The media, the life, somebody's caught up, meaning, you know, they befriended someone in the media because all these guys are not from New York. They're coming right. and they're working here and... Yo, like New York is a beast. Like if you if you're not about your business, um, you can get caught up in the different things that go on um, in New York that have nothing to do with you. And like you can find yourself at dinners with somebody that works for like a paid six or wherever these different mm-hmm. leaks are coming from. And look, man, I don't know if uh, look. Robert Sala might not be the, the sharpest knife in the, in the, in the knife drawer, but um, he's asking his coaches, but why ain't he asking the biggest superstar on the team? Let me see your phone. Right. Because at the end of the day, that might be where the league is coming from. <laughs> and Rodgers was the one when he, when he gave a press saying? conference. Like, that, might, that might be where the league is coming from. Like, what are we doing here? Like, if, if it's already, if they're saying yeah. he's running the team and all these different things, who do you, like, you think? The, look, man, I don't know. I, look, let me stay out of other people's business. Like I said, someone could be caught up. Right. Other coaches could be caught up. But I like to think they're going home to their family and chilling. Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, who, look, it could be anybody on the team well, running the streets. It's bro. funny you said that. The biggest superstar. It's New York. They're running the streets. Right. Obviously, you know, you, you, you're you referring to Rodgers as the biggest star. Well, he's the one when he met the media a couple of weeks ago saying, yeah, we got to stop all. I think he went on McAfee's show and said, we got to stop all the leaks coming out of this organization. Yet the leaks keep coming out of this organization. I mean, he's planning nobody's talking about leaks unless he says something about leaks. What are we doing? Yo, bro. The Jets are a mess, but they've been a mess for decades. No matter who the coach, quarterback, owner, general manager, that's just the way they've always... It's it's crazy, man. It's crazy what's going on with the Jets. But uh, I don't know, man. Who who you got for, for your petty this week? Got any? Um, yeah, man, I'm going to go with, um, the, uh, what team does Joker play for? Denver Nuggets. Denver Nuggets fans. Cause they were on Embiid from not playing the other night. Mm-hmm. Everybody was on Embiid for not playing the other night. And he has a serious, so, you know, he goes out there and he plays against Golden State and he has a torn meniscus. Yeah. So like being a former athlete, I mean, look, <clears throat> I can only imagine like the 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 pressure of a NBA player, you know what I'm saying, um in that position because it seems like every time you play Joker you're not trying to play. But look, same time I can understand you don't want to go out there when you're hurt neither having to, to play Joker, you know right? what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, <laughs> He's tough enough to play against when you're exactly. healthy. Yeah. So like like an example, I remember uh Samari Roll um he, we went up there. Oh man, they still show this clip. We went up there for Monday night against Pittsburgh, 
and he was hurt playing against Plexico. They're friends. Um, they train together in the offseason, but he had a neck injury. Mm-hmm. So he's out there playing with a, a neck brace. And it was just a bad night for the Titans. <laughs> we got trashed. Uh, <laughs> it was the one where Andre Dyson went to uh, tackle the bus, mm-hmm. and the bus just ran through him, and he screamed, yeah! Oh, yeah. That <laughs> yeah. yeah, was a Monday night game. I remember yeah. that. 2001, and then, like, I think yeah, it was. Yeah, and then Samari got mossed. My Plex, like yep. Plex had a really good night, but Samari was hurt. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like as an athlete, I understand not like trying to like, you know, suck it up for your team against a big challenge and then mm-hmm. just just getting doodled on. So <laughs> I guess I guess Joel Embiid has four. He's like, that's respect. He's like, man, I'm not going out to play this guy. And this guy's doing all these type of things. make me look like a clown. Right. Like he made Wemby look like a clown yeah. when he dropped the 70 burgers. Yeah, because like Wemby wasn't that. trying to shake his hand. Yeah. That's crazy. Guys, so that's why I'm saying that's my petty because it's yeah. like my man was really hurt and um, they was getting on him. But I feel him, but that's petty. Y'all need to chill. And yeah, they, you know, everybody thinks those Colorado fans are all laid back and they're just, you know, taking their medicine, you know. But, uh, yeah, they can – I know a few uh, people from Denver. They're sports fans. They can be ruthless out there. And, they're and, like frontiersmen. They're like yeah. – the, the, <laughs> they're the original, <laughs> like, frontiersmen. So, you already know. <laughs> Guys, uh, the Pro Bowl <laughs> games are this weekend, and the NFL finally threw up the red flag a couple of years ago and said, we can't – ask these guys to go out there and play a full padded tackle football game for an we exhibition <laughs> all-star game. Now you did. That's crazy. You, you remember Sean hard. Taylor taking out Brian Mormon, the Bills punter that one year where he, I thought he killed him. Uh, what do you, what do you make of that? It's a flag football game. Now they're running around They're They look like, it looks like a lot of fun. Last year's game was kind of entertaining, but do you feel feel like the Pro Bowl kind of had to come to this, or or do you say, hey, I, let's put our pads on, go out there and smack each other, and you know, let's see which conference is the best? Um, you know, I think it's cool making it fun because now it's about entertainment, right? right? So if you can come up with different things, where because at the end of the day, I, I these guys are athletes, some of the best athletes in the world. So if they could showcase their talent. But at the same time, you're still putting yourself at risk. You know what I'm saying? Like you're you're still risking mm-hmm. an injury. The safest person really is the quarterback. You know, um, right. as a wide receiver, everybody. You're not a blo- you're not allowed to blitz in the Pro Bowl, right? No, you're not allowed to blitz. Oh, but when we're playing, um, you got to tackle, right? Like so. <laughs> look, I was out there with Ray Lewis and them. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like, ain't nobody running. Like, 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 ain't nobody running. Like, Peyton Manning do what he want. But ain't getting no yards on it. Yo, I was with it. I'm like, talk talk that talk, Ray Ray. It's my dog. Um, So, yeah, but I understand where it's going now. You know, flag football Mm -hmm. is uh, more popular. It's not more popular, but it's becoming more popular um, with the youth. Sure. So that's a way to push uh, flag football, to see mm-hmm. the pros play it. Mm-hmm. Um, you're already um, solidified. The NFL is a billion-dollar industry. Why not get another couple billy off flag football? <laughs> right. Create a whole other thing <laughs> under the NFL umbrella. Mm-hmm. Why can't you have that? You know what I'm saying? And don't they already play a championship flag football game yeah. at halftime? So they yep. can start a whole... I bet. if they, They're going to probably start a whole flag football league with the NFL umbrella. They're going to try and own... Like football synonymously. Right. You know, Pat, because I, I can remember growing up as a kid watching the Pro Bowl. It's a lot different back then because the winner's share, that was a nice paycheck because those yeah. guys weren't making the kind of money that they make now. And they start they, to turn up in the fourth quarter. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. kind of like the NBA All-Star game. It's like if it's close, all of a sudden, you know, the the, the laughing and joking and, yeah. you know, and hugging the guy after you tackle him is over. It's, they were out there smacking people. And like, like I said, I always bring up Sean Taylor. When, uh, you know, he's playing for the NFC, he was with the Redskins. Brian Mormon was a punter for the Bills, and they tried to fake punt. And Mormon's jogging around the right side. Looks like he's not going to make it. He's going to slow up. Sean Taylor came. You you can watch it on YouTube. You remember that play? Of course. Laid him out. In a Pro Bowl, yep. people, the crowd was like, ooh. So I remember. But my, Sean Taylor was that dog. Though. Yeah, he was. I Like, my Pro Bowl, I remember. Uh, we were up a bunch, and um, you know we kept passing, and it was uh, the Colts uh, coaches, and Peyton was our quarterback, mm-hmm. and they 
I think they wanted Peyton to get some record, but I had flu like Was that my, the day he did that sideline interview and, and, and called his kicker an idiot? I don't know. I don't <laughs> okay, remember. Okay. But I just know that I was get I was I was pissed because like, yo, we're up. Now they're coming back. The, the winner gets the winner gets 40, the loser gets 20. Right. I paid for my boys, my brothers, everybody. I need that 40, son. Yo, Pat, I needed that 40. I feel it. And I was like, and I'm talking junk on the sidelines, like Jim Morris. I'm like, yo, what are you doing? Like, yo. And then Ray, Ray Lewis was like, hey, Bullock, just chill out, man. Like, that's, you know, they want that boy to, like, you know, so they were, yep. and I, then I yep. started to get it. But the competitor in me, I was like, yo, I was competing for real. I want the winner share. You feel me? I was competing for real. That was funny. Uh, it, it was fun. It's very laid back. Yeah. Like, you're out there to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. Running backs are running. So, like, you know, it, it was, you know, everybody's out there protecting one another. That's why um, I was thinking they should do maybe more of, like, a seven on It kind of turns into a seven yeah. on seven because yeah. that's when, like, you don't want to hear Ocho Cinco's mouth or you don't want to hear, <laughs> you know, Ty Law don't want to hear Ocho. You know, like, so there's pride on the line, kind of right. like, you know, where there used to be in the NBA All-Star games. And I, I wonder if they're going to get back to that. I, I saw the end. I saw the, um, and I know we're about to get out of here, but mm-hmm. I saw where they should do the um, the FIBA versus uh, NBA, meaning like our uh, mm-hmm. NBA nation- and international yeah. players. Versus uh, the, the NBA players. I that, think that would be cool. That would be a lot of fun. All right, folks, you can catch us on Apple, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, virtually wherever you get podcasts. Give it a listen, give it a subscribe, and tell a friend. That'll do it for this week's podcast show. We thank you, as always, for listening. Guys, always great chopping it up with you. We'll do it again next time. Have a great uh, day, week, year, month, whatever it is. We'll talk to you around the bend.